Have you heard that sugar substitutes can increase your cravings and maybe cause you to regain the weight you've lost? Maybe you've heard that these no and low calorie sweeteners might cause diabetes. Is this information true? Is it even accurate? Well, don't go anywhere because award-winning dietitian Neva Cochran joins me to answer your questions and address your concerns. Get ready for the holidays and New Year. ProCare has a new multivitamin soft chew that comes with three delicious fruit flavors. With flexible dosing, you can accommodate your whole family's vitamin needs, and it even includes iron. Paired with calcium chews and our new protein powder. Visit ProCareNow.com and use code SUSAN10 to save 10%. Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Dr. Susan Mitchell, ex-radio dietitian turned podcaster. You're listening to the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast, episode number 122. Today, let's cut through all the health hype, get to the accurate nutrition information that you want, simple strategies that work in your daily life. I want you to feel well every single day. Get out there. Do the things you want to do. That's why I do the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast for you. You're in the right place, and I'm so glad you're listening. Are you receiving my weekly newsletter, Breaking Down Nutrition? You'll be the first to know about product specials, helpful tips, the latest podcasts, and upcoming interviews that you don't want to miss, like this one with Neva. Sign up today on my website, BreakingDownNutrition.com. Joining me from Dallas, Texas, is award-winning registered dietitian nutritionist Neva Cochran. She's passionate about sharing fact-based food and nutrition information to help you eat beyond those headlines and enjoy your food. She blogs about trending food and nutrition topics on her Eating Beyond the Headlines blog. For 20 years, Neva was a researcher and writer for Woman's World magazine and and today, she brings her expertise to share with you. You can find Neva's contact information in the show notes. Hey, Neva, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Susan. It's so great to be back. We know I've heard you speak numerous times over the years and am always so impressed with the way you dig deep and research the science on all your topics. So today is going to be a, such a good podcast because this topic is just so controversial. <laughs> yes. You know, fat and sugar, we can look back at our careers. They've both been demonized. And right now there's a, a low sugar fad, much like the low fat fad some years back. The low calorie and the no calorie sweeteners, on one side, they're super popular. But on the flip side, social media posts and other media headlines have created this fear and uncertainty about using low-calorie and no-calorie sweeteners. They've put out there that they may cause diabetes or weight gain or cancer or brain issues. It's so confusing and it's hard to decipher what is sound science against what is pseudoscience. There have been numerous questions posted in my private Facebook group. So let's answer them and let's clear up the confusion so you know if it's okay to use them and if so, which ones. And so Neva, I want to start with, there's so many names, first of all, mm -hmm. for artificial sweeteners such as low and no sugar sweeteners. So what are all of these names and are they referring to the same thing? 
Yes. For the most part, they are referring to the same thing. So like you said, there's a lot of different names for them, like low-calorie sweeteners, no-calorie sweeteners, artificial sweeteners, sugar substitutes, non-nutritive sweeteners, and sugar replacers. But basically, they're all sweeteners that provide very few or no calories when you compare them to sugar or other sweeteners like honey or maple syrup or corn syrup. So the the very low and no calorie sweeteners are things like aspartame, which people are probably more familiar with um, as equal, or sucralose, which brand name is Splenda. Saccharin, which is the granddaddy of them all, the pink packet is sweet and low. <laughs> right. And you know the pink packet. I, <laughs> I always think about like the colors because they're very they they're very consistent with the colors, no matter what the brand is. They always make blue for aspartame, yellow for sucralose, pink for sweet and low, and then the 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 newest one uh, of those types of sweeteners is stevia, and it's usually in a green packet. But actually, it's not not ground up stevia leaves that some people might think that's not legal uh, to, to be util- to be sold as a sweetener in this country. It's actually a refined uh, stevia, and they're called steviol glycosides. So they just actually extract the sweet part out of the stevia leaves, and that's what uh, you know is commonly called Truvia uh, is one of the brand names. And then the other one is Asulfame K, or it's uh, a shortened to ACE-K. Now, it's not a tabletop or a sweetener that you find in a packet, but it is used as an ingredient, and it's often mixed with other sweeteners to give a better taste that's more similar to sugar. Now, in addition to those sweeteners, we have another group that's called sugar alcohols, which is really a misnomer because the chemical structures are similar to sugar and they're similar to alcohol, but they actually aren't sugar and they're not alcohol. They're also called polyols. So people uh, might have seen them called that too. Um, they are considered a carbohydrate and they are sweet, but they're not completely broken down in the small intestine. So we don't absorb all of the the, the calories. We don't get all the calories from them. So these are things like erythritol, mannitol, sorbitol, and xylitol. And um, they range in calories from just a quarter of a calorie in erythritol to about one and a half calories in mannitol and about two and a half calories per gram in sorbitol and xylitol. And that's compared to four calories per gram in sugar. So you can see they're less, but some of them are not really that much less. So they're still going to have calories. And so you can't just, you know, eat them with abandon or eat foods that contain them with abandon. Um, Plus, you know, the sugar alcohols, we've both seen that in large amounts, yes. typically cause gas bloating and diarrhea. And right. sometimes in after bariatric surgery, it doesn't even take large amounts to get those right. very same uh, symptoms to happen. One of the things I love that you just said and clarified is that sugar alcohols are not alcohol. That's so important because after surgery, the sensitivity to alcohol or how fast you absorb it and get drunk is very different than before you've had surgery. So understanding that these sweeteners have nothing to do with alcohol that you think about from that standpoint is really important. And and like you were saying, I just did a podcast recently, probably within the last month or two on erythritol. So if that's when you're using or interested in, because it is very popular and pretty well tolerated in the bariatric community, right. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, but it's episode number 107 if you want to go back and look at it. 
I'm thinking about the media chatter right now at the time of this podcast. And there is a lot being said that no and low calorie sweeteners, and that's just the name I'm calling them today, (laughs) potentially affect the microbiome, specifically the gut negatively, and may even cause diabetes and may even cause weight gain. So let's start first by just clarifying when you say microbiome and the gut, what are we talking about? Well, there's actually the human microbiome and people uh, don't realize that the whole body has some form of microbiome because you have bacteria and microorganisms all over your body. So this can include your skin, your brain, your teeth, your face, and your gut. But when most people say microbiome or talk about things affecting the microbiome, they're talking about the gut microbiome. And that's actually where 95% of the body's microbiome microbiome is, even though it is in some of these other parts of the body as well. And so what what is the gut? The gut includes the small intestine where we uh, digest or break down the food that we eat. And also we absorb the different nutrients from uh, the small intestine. Um, the large intestine, which is also called the colon, is part of the gut, and that's where the undigested food that we eat, like fiber, is excreted. So when you think of the the, the, the gut or the GI tract, um, people think that when they eat food that it's actually going inside the body, but technically it's not until it's absorbed. Because when you think about the, the GI tract or the gut, it starts with your mouth and it goes down through your esophagus, your stomach, your small intestine, your large intestine or colon, and then it comes out the other end. So basically, unless, you know, the, all the food is absorbed, some in the stomach, but mostly in the small intestine. So what's not absorbed just goes out the other end when you go to the bathroom. So it's actually not inside the body until it's absorbed. But the microbiome is primarily in the large intestine or the colon. And even though it's not absorbed, it can still have beneficial health benefits, like um, it can stimulate the immune system, it can break down uh, toxic compounds that might be in food, and it also makes some of our vitamins, like B vitamins and vitamin K. Exactly. And I'm loving that you're explaining more about this absorption, because what you just said is going to play a large part in answering this next question I want to talk about, which is, should we be worried about using these sugar substitutes? Because what's being said in the media isn't accurate to what the science, what we know about science. So let's go just a little bit deeper here. So should we be worried? Should your listeners be worried? Should people that have had bariatric surgery be worried or just anybody be worried about the effect of these low and no calorie sweeteners on the microbiome? The answer is an emphatic no. Ooh, and people are going, I don't believe that, Neva. Don't believe that. Well, I will explain. Okay. (laughs) The reason that there's no need to be worried is because if you actually understand how these sweeteners are handled in the body, it makes perfect sense that they have no effect. Remember, I said the microbiome is in the colon or the large intestine. So that's where stuff goes that's not absorbed in the small intestine. Okay, first of all, what happens to aspartame or what we call what's known as equal? It's actually broken down in the small intestine into two amino acids, which are like the building box of protein, and methanol, which is another uh, compound that's found in other foods like tomato juice. So these are just normal things that we eat in other foods 
you know, every day. So it's absorbing them as, it's not absorbing it as aspartame. Aspartame can't be absorbed by the small intestine. So it's breaking, broken down into these three different components and it's absorbed. So what happens? Aspartame never gets to the colon or the microbiome, so it can't have any effect. Two more sweeteners, saccharin and asulfame K, are rapidly absorbed in the small intestine and then they go uh, very quickly and they get excreted unchanged. They're not broken down or, or anything. They're just excreted unchanged in the urine. So they don't get to the colon either. So they can't have an effect on the microbiome. The other two, sucralose and steviol glycosides, do pass through the gut. They're not absorbed. And so they do, do enter the colon. But sucralose cannot be worked on by the bacteria. It's not something that the bacteria or these other microorganisms recognize. So it's just going to keep going out like when you go to the bathroom. It's just going to go out there with the rest of the poop. And the stevia, the stevia. Poop it out. Yep. The stevia can be broken down, but like the sucralose, almost all of it can't be it doesn't have any interaction with those bacteria or those microorganisms, so it's pooped out too. There's a little bit of carbohydrate on it, but the bacteria just, just you know, can, can like work on that. But it's such a tiny amount that it doesn't really have any influence overall on your microbiome and it's the composition. So as you can see, basically only two of them are reaching the microbiome and most of that doesn't have any interaction with the microorganisms organisms, and just goes on out. Okay, so in our Science 101 today, I want you to think about what we just said, and then people are going, well, you know, this has given me diabetes, it's raising my blood sugar level. So now you should be able to see why that's not the case, but Neva, tell us. Um, you know, you probably heard that, that low-calorie sweeteners can raise your blood sugar and cause diabetes, but it's simply not true. One thing to keep in mind is that most of these claims are based on studies in rats and mice. And even though they might suggest that low-calorie sweeteners can alter the gut microorganisms that lead to higher blood sugar and a greater risk of getting diabetes, rats and mice are not humans. And in the studies that they're using, uh, these sweeteners in, in animals, the amount of sweeteners that they use are much, much larger than humans would ever consume. So you wouldn't expect the, the same results. And I think even more importantly is the bacteria that are in the mice and rat guts don't exist in the human yeah. gut. So we're yeah. not even talking about the same the same thing. So you right. can't apply these studies done on animals to humans. It's, we're not measuring apples to apples and no, oranges exactly. to oranges. No, exactly. That's what I'm going to say. It's yeah. like apples and oranges. <laughs> and I'll actually tell you, because I, I mentioned all of these studies that they're using to make these claims are based on animal studies. But I actually did a blog a few years ago where I looked at seven studies in humans that uh, were on the effect of low-calorie sweeteners on blood sugar and diabetes. And guess what the results were? None of them had any effect. None. So there was no effect in humans of sweeteners on causing blood sugar to go up or to uh, increase your risk of getting diabetes. And you know, when you think about it intuitively, it just doesn't make sense because these sweeteners are not sugar. And so how can something that's not sugar... And like, like I said, one of them's broken down, two of them are immediately excreted in the urine, 
they don't even go into the into the regular bloodstream. And then two of them go out through the colon and are excreted. So how in the world could they raise blood sugar? It's and you know, just not possible. Yeah, I agree with that. And when I was reviewing a number of the studies too, and it was interesting because when you, you have to really go in and look at how the studies were done. And most of them were not using sweeteners within food, but giving the sweeteners as capsules and very, very large amounts, which is, again, is not measuring what we do in, in day-to-day life. So that's why you have to look really closely at how these are being done. I'm so glad you're talking about this because diabetes in the bariatric community is common. And one of the wonderful blessings to come out of surgery is that you may go in with diabetes, but many times Mm -hmm. afterwards and with that weight loss, that diabetes starts to be under control and really almost go away. And so you can imagine the fear if somebody says, well, gosh, I've had surgery. My diabetes is now gone or under control. And I'm using these uh, non-sugar or low sugar, you know, non-sweeteners. And gosh, it may give me diabetes. You can understand the fear mm-hmm. behind that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the good news is that you do not need to worry about that as a problem so that you can continue to enjoy that sweet taste without any calories. I love it. Well, stay right where you are. In 15 seconds, we'll talk about whether there is a better choice among these no sugar substitutes. Do you want to give gifts packed with purpose this holiday season? Check out newhopegirls.com for beautiful bags that rescue girls and empower women. Use code TRANSFORM15 to save 15%. So Neva, I'm in the grocery store and I see box after box or container after container of various no and low calorie sweeteners. Which one should I choose? Is there a better choice among all of these sugar substitutes? No, there actually isn't. Um, None of them really provide us with any calories when we're talking about the low and no calorie sweeteners. I'm not talking about the sugar alcohols right now. I'm talking about pink, blue, yellow, and green. (laughs) So what is your favorite color, right? (laughs) Yes. So I think it's, yeah, favorite color or, you know, it's really up to your individual taste preferences. I actually have a couple of dietitian friends that really prefer the pink packet or the saccharin, which, you know, I can use if there's nothing else available, but it's definitely not my favorite. So people actually have different taste perception. So what maybe tastes good to one person may not taste good to another in terms of that sweetness. So I would say pick the one that you like the taste of best. And also there is a difference in cost. Saccharin is least expensive, uh, then equal or uh, aspartame, and then uh, usually sucralose or Splenda is the most expensive. Another way you can uh, get a little less expensive is to buy a generic brand versus a brand name. sweeteners. So yeah, that's, I, again, that's a good I, idea. I think it's just what you like and what your uh, wallet can sustain. Yeah. And maybe you find one that for some reason you feel like you tolerate it better. Exactly. And, and, and you, you know, you were saying about the taste buds and I, I like this because I recall that people vary, believe it or not, in per square inch, the number of taste buds. Remember this to super tasters, non-tasters. And I know that I'm a super taster. So if I have, I like certain of the products better than others, because I feel like the taste varies. And I find one that to me has a a better taste than the other. So again, that, that this is what is freeing about this is here's one time when you have a choice that yep. you choose yep. <laughs> based on your own preference. 
Exactly. All right. So also, not everyone uses the same amount of these products. Some people use them infrequently and others use them a lot. How much is too much? And based on how much you use, are we going to have any effect? We're very fortunate because in this country, we have a very, very highly regulated food supply, and that includes ingredients like these low and no calorie sweeteners, and that's done by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, or the FDA, and they set what they call acceptable daily intakes, and that's ADI. So they look at the amount of an ingredient. So this is this applied to other ingredients, not just to sweeteners, but in terms of sweeteners, they look at how much can you safely consume every day over your entire lifetime without a risk of negative health effects. And once they determine the level of sweetener that will not produce any adverse health effects, and this are, these are done in, in animal studies because when they're doing toxicity studies, it's not ethical to do it on humans, so they do it on animals. And this really works in this case because they're looking at toxic doses and how much would they need to do before they would cause any negative health effect if they're consumed over a lifetime. So once they determine what that level is, then they cut it by 100. And that's what they call the acceptable daily intake or the ADI. So it's one one hundredth of the amount that would show no adverse effects on health. So you can see that it's a very, very conservative um, level that they're setting. And it would be difficult for any person to reach that ADI with, you know, typical normal intake of sweeteners. And again, remember, it's 100 times what actually should be okay to consume. So for example, um, a person would have to consume 50 packets of equal a day or drink 18 12-ounce sodas that are sweetened with aspartame or they'd have to consume 30 packets of Splenda or six drinks that are sweetened with Splenda a day to reach the ADI or the acceptable daily intake. And that's over a lifetime. That's not just one or two days, but over a lifetime, you'd have to have that every single day and you'd still have no effect. So the current intake of these low-calorie sweeteners is well below the ADI. And as I mentioned before, in terms of the microbiome, there really is no effect. So you know, as long as you're staying under the ADI, which is nearly impossible not to do, you should be safe. I would caution you, though, when I'm saying, you know, a 50 packets or 18 cans of soda, I am talking about the amount that's safe for the sweetener itself. I'm not talking about all the other ingredients. So consider that, you know, these these soft drinks have caffeine, they have phosphorus, they're carbonated, and they have fluid. So if you were drinking that many sodas a day, you could have other issues with the caffeine or the phosphorus, especially for people post-bariatric surgery. The carbonation could be a real problem. And just drinking that much fluid, you'd be in the bathroom all day long. Yeah. And you would be so full that you would displace your hunger for real food yes. as you work your way towards that. Well, you a minute ago, you made clear that diabetes from using these is not a problem. But maybe you've heard that using these no and low-calorie sweeteners it's going to cause you to crave sweets again, and then you're going to gain that weight back. Okay, is this accurate or unproven? Well, 
no big surprise, I actually wrote a blog on that topic too. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> and the answer is a definite no. It does not cause you to crave sweets or to increase your sweet taste perceptions. And this time I looked at 12 different studies in humans that looked at the effect of these low and no calorie sweeteners on taste perceptions and cravings. And what did I find? The majority of the evidence in humans does not support that low and no calorie sweeteners stimulate sweet taste preferences and cravings. So do not be concerned about that. I'm thinking about another post that one, a member of my Facebook group made. And some of these questions that we've talked about already have come from my group. But one member was very specific. And she said that she was told after surgery not to drink Gatorade Zero anymore, but just to drink water. So based on all we've said, your thoughts on that? I I don't really understand, you know, why that would be suggested to that person, because when you look at Gatorade Zero, which you told me about this ahead of time, so I actually looked it up. In a 12-ounce serving of Gatorade Zero, there are only five calories, And there's 160 milligrams of sodium and 50 milligrams of potassium, which shouldn't be any problem that I know of for bariatric surgery patients. And then when I looked at the list of ingredients, um, the the sweeteners are sucralose and they're asulfame K or potassium. So I'm really not sure, you know, why that would be advised. And, you know, my advice would be that, you know, if that's something that you enjoy drinking, that I think it should be perfectly fine. Um, And sometimes people have trouble getting enough fluid. And if you're drinking a fluid that tastes good and you enjoy, then I think that if it's calorie free, that's just a good option. Everybody doesn't love water. And some for some people, it's difficult to just drink water and get enough fluid. So if you can drink maybe, you know, a diet soda sometimes or a, a something like a Gatorade Zero or a Crystal Light. You know, these are ways you can get something that has more flavor in and get your fluid. That That is so true. And that is such a positive tip to remind everyone about. And one of the things I will say is that so much, this is why I do this podcast and you guys that listen all the time know that I feel very strong about this, but there's so much pseudoscience out there, meaning science that's not correct. And when People go to write blogs or articles or whatever for maybe their surgery center or somewhere else. If they're not trained, if they're not a dietitian, if they don't know the science, then they're going to assume that what they read from somewhere else is is accurate and they don't necessarily question it or go, wait a minute, that makes no sense. And that's not what the science is, the consensus science is saying right now. So they put it out there that, hey, this might cause you to have diabetes or weight gain. When, as you know, from what we said, that's not true at all. So I do think you have to look at the source. And I will always ask you to circle back to a bariatric dietitian that you trust and ask these questions. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. You know, that's why my brand is called or my tagline is eating beyond the headlines because you really cannot accept a headline or one article that you read in the popular media and or on social media as being the truth. You really have to investigate a little further and go to the experts like your registered dietitian. Absolutely, because most of the time those headlines, uh, I call them clickbait, but the Mm -hmm. clickbait is made to bring you there to read it. It doesn't mean that it's accurate. So as we wrap up, Neva, what haven't you told us that's really important to know? What's the bottom line, so to speak? 
Well, I think when we kind of like take a bigger view of food and nutrition and people's meals and their meal pattern, please keep in mind that that low-calorie sweeteners are a way and a safe way for you to enjoy sweet foods and beverages with few or no calories after bariatric surgery. Um, They are simply a tool. They're not a magic bullet. Foods with sweeteners a lot of times still have other ingredients with calories. So even though there are fewer calories than the same products that were prepared with sugar, they still have calories. So they're not like free foods that you can eat, you know, as much as you want of and not worry about, you know, gaining weight or being over full. And you still need to be careful about your portion sizes and how often you eat them. And I think in the big picture of overall meals and snacks, you need to be take the advice of the registered dietitian that you've probably met with. Make sure you're balancing your plate. You have a variety of foods like dairy and grains, fruits and vegetables and proteins. That way you get all the nutrients that you need for good health without overdoing it. So, you know, I, I really promote that people enjoy their food, but enjoy a variety of foods in moderation and, you know, throughout the day so that you can get everything you need and feel good, look good, and have good health. Oh, good advice. Thank you, Neva. I, I appreciate that you gave your time and the willingness to take a deep dive into what's often a very controversial topic. Your information is so helpful. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Susan. It's always a pleasure to be on with you. All right. Bottom line, you heard Neva. It's a personal preference when it comes to your choice of sugar substitutes. You can use them. They're very unlikely to cause diabetes, very unlikely to cause your cravings and weight gain. They are a tool in your toolbox to use now and throughout your journey. And remember, you are worth it. Bariatric Surgery Success with Dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC. All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Dr. Susan Mitchell, or Practicalories, LLC.